So this morning, is, uh, this church is celebrating the, the celebration of Pentecost. Um, I mean, sometimes we talk about it, many of you think of Pentecost and Pentecostals, but Pentecost is actually a day, a celebration, a feast. And it's amazing what God did after Jesus rose again, what he did on the next Pentecost. And we hear about it. And I thought, you know, rather than me uh, take a small piece of it and then tell you about it, it would be better just to hear it. And it's interesting because I love to hear the stories of Scripture as stories, as testimonies, as accounts by witnesses. So this morning, listen to the story again of Pentecost. When Pentecost had come, all the followers of Jesus, all the disciples were gathered together in one place. And suddenly, they heard a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind that came from heaven. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that dispersed and came and rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were, in, now were gathered in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because they heard them speaking in their native tongue. Utterly amazed, they began to ask, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? How is it then that each of us hears them speaking in his own language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. They were amazed and perplexed. They began to ask one another, what is this? What does this mean? What is God doing here? But some of them, however, were skeptical. They began to make fun of them, saying, they've just had too much wine. So Peter stood up with the other 11 apostles. He raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. He said, Brothers, men of Israel and all of you who are living in Jerusalem, listen to me. Let me explain this to you. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No. No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. I will show you the wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire and and billows billows of smoke. Not pillars, billows. (laughs) Billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness. The moon to blood. Before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. 
Jesus of Nazareth, who was accredited to you by God through miracles and wonders and signs that God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. He was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death. Because it is impossible, it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David, that is King David, said this about him. The Lord is always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will build its home on hope. Because you have not abandoned me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, brothers and sisters, I tell you this with confidence that David, the patriarch, he died and is buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and he knew and he knows the promise that God had made to him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah. That he was not abandoned to the grave. That his body did not see decay. God raised this Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses to the fact. Exalted to God's right hand. He received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and poured out what you now see and hear. Let all of Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, into Lord and Messiah. Or as we might say in English, King and Savior. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They began to ask Peter and the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, for the forgiveness of sin. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is promised to you and to your children to all those who are far off, and to all whom God will call. With many more words, Peter warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized. And over 3,000 were added to their number that day. Amen. That is an amazing story. It's amazing to hear what God is doing 
what God is doing on the first day of Pentecost or on the day of Pentecost. The thing that I think Luke is trying to help us see is that the Holy Spirit has come. The promise, the Holy Spirit that God promised through prophets like Ezekiel and Joel. The Holy Spirit has come, signifying the last days. Signifying that the end, the end has begun in Jesus our Lord. That we are in end times since, since he died and rose again. But also that these, this church, this church of 120 who became 3,000 and 120, are also the first fruits. This moment happened on Pentecost, which is the Jewish festival of Shavuot, which means weeks. It happened seven weeks after the Passover. When the people of Israel, they would bring uh, sheaves of grain as a wave offering to God. Their first fruits, the best of the first things that they had. It seems like God is doing it almost in reverse. Here's the first fruits of the church. God adding to their number. But God is making, we realize that God has made promises and is fulfilling. And that's why Peter's talking to them about Joel, quoting them from the, what the prophet said and what David said in Psalm 16 and Psalm 118. Trying to show them that Jesus, that his life, that his death, that his resurrection, that his ascension to heaven, these are not mistakes. These are not happenstance. This is part of God's plan. This is part of God fulfilling the promises that he made. And here's the key part. Peter says, God has made this Jesus Lord and Christ. In, in Greek it says Lord and Christ. In Hebrew that would be Adonai and Mashiach. Adonai, the only person you call Adonai Lord is God. Imagine Peter saying, he has made this Jesus God. He has made this Jesus God and Messiah. Messiah was, was a savior, political and religious, who would come and make things right, who would bring God's kingdom. Peter's trying to explain to his brothers, his Jewish brothers, and hopefully some sisters are there too, to explain to them who Jesus is. That the fact that he rose again, that has saved people from their sin, that he is the Lord and Messiah. The one whom they've been waiting for for generations. The Savior who has made us right with God by dying on a cross. That all the sin that we have, all the things that we've done in our lives, the things that we regret, the things that we've done when we've known that we shouldn't have, that little word, sin, God has taken all of that in Jesus and covered over it with his blood. His sacrifice has made us right with our Father in heaven. And I know we hear that a lot. I know we hear that a lot in church. It's the gospel, right? But it can be so easy for us to take it for granted. This amazing thing that God has done, that he's made us right with him. Maybe some of you are here today and you still have kind of questions about Jesus or how does this work? I'd love to talk with you some more after the service. But let me just say for now that because of Jesus because of his life and his teaching, because of his death on the cross in our place, we've been made right with God. Because he rose again, we have hope. The death is not the end for us. It's the beginning of life in its fullest sense with our Lord. 
So we see who Jesus is as Peter's trying to explain it to us. But there's also this other amazing part. We catch a glimpse of the missional heart of God. And by missional, I mean God's desire to proclaim his good news to the nations. To draw the nations into his family. To draw the nations back into his family. And said that there were, there were Jewish people, God-fearing Jews, from, all, from every nation under heaven. I gave the list of them. Of, of uh, Cappadocia and Judea and, and Pontus and Asia. Places like Egypt and Libya and Arab people. All were there. People from the Arab places were coming there to worship. And they hear this amazing news. They hear the wonders of God in their own language. I see God fulfilling the words that Jesus spoke to the disciples just before he ascended into heaven. He said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. And here, every nation under heaven is gathered together for this feast and they hear the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, the Lord. You know those people are going to go back out You know those people are going to return to the cities that they are from. And they're going to tell people the amazing thing that they heard. The amazing things that they saw. And that they became a follower of Jesus the Messiah. It's interesting, I have this image that I see is, I don't know if you've ever seen slow motion of a drop of water falling into like a a bigger pool of water. And just slow motion, you see the, the, the drop come down and just plunge into the water and the waves begin to go out. Wave after wave. From one drop of water, the waves continue to go out. I see that similar, like the Holy Spirit has descended, has come, and been, God has put his Holy Spirit on all people, on all of his people. All of his people. And the, the message, the gospel, the good news begins to go out. The gospel begins to go out from this place, from, these, from these, this church of 120 Now, just to put this into perspective for us. So on average, we're like around 85 or so people on a Sunday. So a church a bit bigger than ours, but not much. Imagine this church going from 85 to 3,085 in one day. That is an amazing story. That is an amazing event. The people of God coming under Messiah, coming under Jesus, their Lord and their Savior, devoting their lives to him and beginning to follow him. What an amazing story. I think that's why the church celebrates Pentecost every year. We have Easter, and then 50 days later, that's what Pentecost means, is Greek for 50 days. We celebrate Pentecost, this amazing story of when the Holy Spirit came down and the church exploded. It makes me think of one of my best church moments. And we're going to be talking about this some as a church in a few moments. But one of my greatest experiences, or church experiences, has been uh, two years ago. Uh, I was in a prayer meeting in the evening. I, I think I was, might have been by myself or with a couple other people, but I was praying and I saw this vision of people stacked on top of each other. It was like three, three, three people stacked in the soccer fields 
down here in the town site in Balfour. And as I think about it now, the words of Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And your young men will see vision and your old men will dream dreams. I think I'll still count myself as a young man because it's a vision, not a dream. And I remember praying about it. God, what does this mean? I, there's, there's, there's not much out at the, at the soccer fields. <laughs> Just a big field. And I remember talking with some of the leaders and then on a Sunday morning, asking you, the church, saying, I, I've had this vision of people stacked on top of each other in the soccer fields. What do you think about having an outdoor service, having a worship in the park service? And I remember asking you, if you would like to be a part of this, if you, could, if you feel like this is something God is calling us to do, would you please stand? And I watched as so many of you stood up and said, we want to be a part of this. We want to see what God is doing. And it doesn't just stop there. I think about all the teams, the people, the groups of people, the leaders, and those of you who stepped up just to lead in that moment. Gathering together people to cook. I think of the stories, asking their friends who aren't even a part of the church yet. Asking them to come and help cook. I think of Walter and Rudy and you guys getting make sure that everything was set up, even the night before. Chairs and tents and, and Rick taking care of the sound and working with Jill. And I think about everyone who was involved in bringing together food and inviting friends. It was an amazing time. We had people coming from the Anglican Church. We had people coming from Caslow. We had people who were showing up who we've never even seen before. And then we got to preach the good news to them. We got to tell them. Not only did we get to have pancakes and, and breakfast with them, but then afterward we got to tell them this amazing news that Jesus loves them. That Jesus loves them and wants to make them right with God. That was one of my highlights. That was one of my greatest church moments. The next few weeks we're going to be talking some about things like our greatest church moments. Talking about some of the things that we love about this church, but also what we dream for this church. This is a grassroots moment, an event for us to talk about our church. Talk about God's church. To talk about the things that are amazing, the things that we can build on as a way to bless our community. And the things that we dream of happening here. And begin working to make them happen. So for the next few weeks, there's going to be conversation and hopefully you'll engage and you'll start telling your story about your greatest moment in church. And in a few minutes, we're going to be able to talk about this, but I just want to say that there's a few different ways for you to be involved. One is, again, talking in a few minutes, we're going to hear some of the stories. But also, too, if you look out in the foyer, there's a chalkboard out there. And there's divided into three sections. The first one is, what is your best church moment? You can go out there. If you're maybe not a talk-in-front-of-people person, you can go and write that. Or you can write it on Facebook. We're going to have a, a, a place set up for, to receive what people, their greatest moments. And also we're going to be gathering here on Thursday night. We're going to gather here. There's going to be some dessert and some coffee and round tables for us to share these stories again. To share the stories of what was your greatest moment. We're going to start gathering this information, finding out what God, the, the good things that God has been doing in our church and how can we build on those to keep moving forward to the dream that God has given us as a church. So that's going to be the next three weeks. And you look in your bulletin, there's an insert that says the journey. It talks about some of the things we'll be talking about. The third week, we'll be talking about what we dream of. And the thing I love about this, this process, is that we are all involved from the beginning. 
I don't know if you've been a part of things that happen maybe in your, in your work or, or maybe even in church where it seems like oftentimes a small group of leaders go off and they, they do a lot of this work and they come back and they say, hey, everybody, here's where we're going. And sometimes there's good in that. I don't mean to... to I, there's good parts of that. But what I love about this is that we are all involved from the beginning. Here's our chance to, to honor the priesthood of all believers, to honor the reality that we are a congregational church, that you are all included in this. So whether you've been a part of this church since it was planted in 1996, or if this is your first Sunday here, you get to be a part of the conversation. As we continue to move forward towards health and mission, becoming healthier as a church in terms of our relationship with each other and with Jesus, but also more missional in terms of proclaiming the good news in our community.